Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll look at how a recent survey highlights how Missouri teachers and administrators are feeling about workplace conditions. Then, we'll hear about how Kansas's abortion vote affects Missouri. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, and I'm so excited to be back for our first episode of the fall. Teddy, how have you been doing these past few weeks? Siggy, I have been good. You know, it was nice to get a bit of a break, but I have to say I'm very excited to be back in the saddle. Me too. I cannot wait to jump into our episodes this semester and just to be back in the regular flow of things. Yeah, we definitely have some good episodes lined up this semester, and I'm very excited to see what's to come. Are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Absolutely. Why don't you start us off? Sounds good. The Missouri legislature has delayed a special session to discuss Governor Mike Parson's proposed $700 million tax cut. The legislature was supposed to meet next week, but will now meet the week of September 12th. Senate Majority Leader Caleb Rowden said a Wednesday meeting between Senate and House leadership caused the delay, and the legislature will need more time to work on the proposed cuts. Missouri is under a time crunch to change its Medicaid program to comply with federal regulations. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services approved a plan in July requiring Missouri to drop its Medicaid application wait time to 45 days by the end of September. The state's current time frame for processing a Medicaid application is around 85 to 90 days, which is a decrease from the 100-day time frame at the beginning of August. A number of new state laws went into effect on August 28th. One of those limits the use of eminent domain on agricultural land which comes in reaction to controversy regarding a proposed wind power transmission line called the Grain Belt Express. However, the new law won't apply to the planned line. Another new law will give charter schools an increase in funds through a change in property values that are used to calculate funding. And another new law allows college athletes to receive help from coaches or university employees when searching for name, image, and likeness opportunities. And speaking of new laws, sports betting is now legal in Kansas, thanks to a law that went into effect Thursday. Six sportsbook platforms, Barstool Sportsbook, BetMGM, Caesar Sportsbook, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet, went live in the state the same day. Meanwhile, sports betting is still illegal in Missouri, so Missourians who wish to participate will have to cross state lines. With the back-to-school season in full swing, Many schools across Missouri are bearing the brunt of a national teacher shortage. The pandemic spurred teachers to speak up about unfair working conditions and low pay. Siggy, you spoke to someone from an organization that hopes to address these issues. Yeah, that's right. I spoke to Paul Katnick, Assistant Commissioner of Educator Quality at the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. He sits on the State Board of Education's Teacher Recruitment and Retention Blue Ribbon Commission, a board made up of business leaders, educators, state representatives, and other education stakeholders. The group was created by the State Board of Educators to find solutions to the issue of teacher retention. Interesting. And what's the commission working on right now? Well, in early August, the commission put out a survey to Missouri teachers and administrators to gauge their opinions on different workforce issues such as salary, workday flexibility, and time off. A few days after the survey came out, Katnick and I discussed the results and how they will be used in the future. Here's more of that conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, As I mentioned, I just want to get your perspective on the results of the commission survey and the purpose behind it. The Blue Ribbon Commission wanted to hear directly from teachers about what they felt 
you know, the biggest challenges were. One of the important parts to take note of is the response rate. You know, so it's first week of August. It's not the best time to be doing a survey of educators are super busy getting ready for the year. But we had over 21% of all teachers in the state responded nearly, you know, over 15,000, over 900 principals. That's 41% of principals in the state. And then uh, over 350 superintendents, which is nearly 50%. So we got a, a really good representative sample. It was all across the state, all different kinds of schools, all different regions. Yeah, sure. My question is for you, what were the most important, uh, or I guess, noteworthy takeaways from the results of the survey? Well, I think we've been hearing this for the last couple of years that, you know, compensation matters. People need to pay bills at the end of the day. And, um, you know, it's not a secret really to anybody that teaching is a lower paying profession. Um, There's other professions with similar degrees and, you know, preparation time and stuff that goes into it. They get paid much more. And, uh, you know, I think one of the takeaways from this is this still bears that out, that there's still, you know, we're still being told, you know, um, teachers, especially for the work they're doing, should get paid more to do it. Um, so one thing I thought was interesting was that 77.3% of teachers said that increased flexibility during school hours and with professionalized teaching as a career. Was this um, a result that uh, surprised you or was this something that the commission was um kind of expecting? Uh, We've been kind of hearing this as well. And I think what people forget is that, uh, you know, they think the teaching profession is an adult in a room with kids and, you know, helping kids learn. And that is a big part of the teaching profession, but it's not the only part. Uh, In order to do that with a classroom of kids, there's a lot of planning that has to go into it. There's a lot of assessing about whether the kids learned it or not. There's a lot of replanning. Uh, There's a lot of social skills that get taught as a part of teaching. And uh, all of that stuff takes some preparation time and some uh, reflection time. And um, our, right now, the profession really doesn't provide for that. And so it's the reason that um, uh, many uh, teachers, I did when I was a teacher, uh, were doing that at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And if you have your own kids, it's after they go to bed. You're doing that in your evening time, and then you're back in the classroom with kids the next day. And so I think it's possible one of the things this is telling us is that other professions have built in time for all parts of the job and that uh, maybe teaching could grow a little in that area. Yeah, definitely. So my next question is about some of the data regarding salaries. So uh, 60.8% of teachers said that a requirement that districts use teacher evaluation and form teacher salary increases would cause them to leave their position. And then 48.7% of teachers said differentiated pay or pay for performance would cause them to leave their position. Now, is this something that was surprising or is this in line with trends that uh, you guys have seen? Yeah, you you definitely picked up on something that we noticed as well, which is that direct connection between my evaluation as a teacher and uh, how well students are doing should dictate how much I get paid as a teacher, that there's something there in those connections that, that uh, they didn't feel too good about. How does the commission plan to use these survey results? We have another meeting coming up in September, and I'm sure uh, that information, that data is going to be used there as they start to think about recommendations that would be a good starting point, um, ones that they would want to take before the State Board of Education in October. So um, it's it, it, turned out what, it turned out the way they kind of wanted it. They said, let's hear from uh, educators, and we heard from a bunch of them, and they told us some, some definite things.
For our next story, I'm joined by Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi, who recently covered what last month's abortion vote in Kansas could mean for Missouri. Skylar, great to have you on. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. So what did you report on in your story? Well, after Kansas overwhelmingly voted to support abortion access in the state at the beginning of August, I wanted to know what sort of impact that might have on Missouri, especially since the states have similar political leanings. Both voted Republican in the previous six presidential elections, and there have been Republican supermajorities in both states' legislatures for at least 20 years. I had heard that some other states were planning to put abortion access up to voters, and that a majority of Americans wanted to vote on the issue. But I wasn't sure what that may look like in Missouri, or whether something was in motion. Huh, interesting. And to be clear, the abortion laws in Kansas and Missouri are not the same, right? Yes. In Kansas, the Constitution guarantees the right to abortion. Voters were asked whether to remove that right from the Constitution, and they voted to protect it. In Missouri, most instances of abortion are illegal. So for the purposes of this conversation, we're talking about the possibility of a ballot measure to restore abortion rights. Got it. And what's the process for getting a petition on the ballot in Missouri? So generally, a group has to collect enough signatures to represent 8% of legal voters in six of the state's eight congressional districts. I spoke to Jake Hasselswert, a political science professor at the University of Missouri, about this. He says it takes a lot of coordination and money to build a successful ballot petition, organization that's often not possible with grassroots efforts. Also, funders and organizers for these proposals are often similar across state lines. I see. So the same groups that funded the initiative in Kansas could have a role in Missouri, too? It's possible. The groups that funded the pro-abortion side in Kansas included 1630 Fund and Planned Parenthood. Billionaire Michael Bloomberg and director Steven Spielberg also funded the initiative. Okay. And what's the history of ballot petitions in Missouri? Have they been successful before? Yeah, so there's been many efforts brought in front of voters over the past few years via ballot petitions. Missourians have voted to overturn the state's so-called right-to-work law, expand Medicaid access, and legalize medical marijuana. And in November, an initiative to legalize recreational marijuana will appear on the ballot. Interesting. Has there ever been an effort to get an abortion proposal on the ballot? There was actually an abortion referendum petition in 2019 after lawmakers voted to make abortion illegal after eight weeks. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft initially rejected the proposal, but a court eventually ordered him to approve the measure. At that point, though, there was only two weeks left for organizers to gather signatures, so the petition never made it in front of voters. I see. So when would a new petition emerge, if it does? There's no chance for an abortion initiative to appear on November's ballot since the deadline is long past. So the earliest a measure could appear is next year. The Secretary of State office said it will begin processing proposals after this year's general election. Do you think that groups would wait until the big presidential election year in 2024? They could. Groups certainly have in the past in hopes of getting more voters to the polls. But also, the Kansas vote proved that people are likely going to show up to vote on abortion access no matter when it is. In August's election, about half of the state's registered voters cast ballots. Typically, less than 35 percent of voters show up during its primary elections. Wow, that is a huge increase. Are Missouri groups taking any action right now? Yes. One advocacy group called Pro-Choice Missouri is working to build back access in the state. Recently, the group helped to pass a new law in St. Louis that allocated funding to people seeking to travel out of state to receive abortions. Also, a representative for the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri told me over email that the group is still fighting for access, whether at the ballot or day to day. Well, Skylar, thanks so much for the conversation. And make sure to check out Skylar's story on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. Thanks, Teddy.
It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what word do you have for us this week? Siggy, this week my word is minor leaguers. Okay, gotcha. And I'm assuming you mean minor league baseball. Yes, that's correct. So the Major League Baseball Players Association sent minor league baseball players authorization cards on Sunday, which would allow them to vote on becoming members of the union. This means that minor leaguers are a step closer to becoming unionized for the first time in baseball's history. Why are they taking steps to unionize now? There's been a lot of uproar in recent years about the conditions that minor leaguers face, specifically regarding pay. Many minor leaguers have to work multiple jobs, and an advocacy group says players make less than $12,000 a year. If minor league baseball unionizes, players will have more say over their wages. Got it. And how will Missouri be affected? Well, this could have ripple effects for Major League Baseball teams, and of course, that includes the Kansas City Royals and the St. Louis Cardinals. Besides the Major League teams, Missouri is also home to the Springfield Cardinals, one of St. Louis's minor league affiliates. So, teams and athletes in cities across the state have a stake in this. That's all for my word of the week. What do you have this week, Siggy? So this week, I have chosen quiet quitting. Interesting. What does quiet quitting mean? Well, it doesn't exactly mean quitting. It's a term people are using to describe stopping working more than necessary at their jobs and refusing to do unpaid tasks. So it's not so much leaving a job as it is becoming less engaged with work and taking needed time for oneself and for one's mental health. Okay, so why is it in the news now? So the term gained traction on TikTok this summer, where a lot of workers have discussed their personal experiences. As Gen Z begins to join the workforce, conversation surrounding burnout and employee treatment is rising. There's currently a lot of controversy regarding quiet quitting. Interesting. And why is that? Well, many argue that while it's a good thing for employees to set boundaries and refrain from letting their whole lives revolve around work, the term quiet quitting has a negative connotation. It implies that people are quitting or leaving, so some suggest a different name to imply a larger focus on personal well-being. With our words of the week wrapped up, it's time for our closing thought. Here's more from Paul Katnick on what issues Missouri teachers are concerned about the most. I think in all the media that's covered this, especially over the last four months or so, sometimes it's just all been about pay. Um, And I don't think anybody disagrees that it needs to be about pay, but not only about pay. Um, I I think a lot of what I've heard and the data I think uh, shows little signs of this is that being respected as a profession and feeling the support of not only your colleagues and administrators, but your communities of parents, um, you know, other folks in the community matters a whole lot, too. And, um, you know, I'm not sure the last year or two that's felt so much like that. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, editors Cole Miller, Katie Quinn, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.